We're back. I've been off to get the lemonade and I found bottle green elderflower. What do you think, team? I think it's jolly tasty. Cheers. Cheers. Good health. Love. It's absolutely delicious. I love elderflower. It's nearly Mm. elderflower season, isn't it? Delicious. But anyway, the exciting news is that whilst I was in the kitchen pouring the elderflower cordial into the blue and white jug... The bees have started buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. So much so that, Rachel, what have you done? What action has been taken? I phoned Hannah, who's in dispatch at the moment, to tell her that we think they might be swarming. And she's on her way over here right now. This is live, dear listener. You are with us in the Wiggly Garden with a million bees just over that wall swarming and tell us rich what you saw that sparrow do oh, it was amazing wasn't it a little house sparrow leapt from its little ivy knoll grabbed a honeybee and shot back in yeah so uh, you know they've obviously got uh, a bit of a taste for, for yeah. all things honeybee like opportunity not so, <laughs> well would they have a, would they be sweet or would they be stingy uh, well, I'm kind of thinking they might be a little bit sticky. <laughs> <certainly>. <laughs> Yo- Yogi Bear eats bees. Uh, yeah, he does. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Winnie the Pooh gets stung by them. <laughs> Listen, what I want to know about is local food and chickens as we wait in the garden for Hannah, our professional beekeeper, to wiggle her way from dispatch, which is... 5.9 miles, according to Heather, and according to Sooty, 8.9 miles. Where he goes, I do not know. <laughs> uh, we're waiting for her to wiggle her way back. So, Rich, Rach, Rock. What are we going to listen to first then, Hev? Rachel, you've got a new job. I have. Well, when I'm not wiggling, which is now only one day a week, I'm working for the Campaign to Protect Rural England... CPRE. CPRE, that's it, a national organisation, and I'm mapping local food webs. What the heck is that? What does that what does that mean? What does it mean? Well what I'm doing is I'm trying to find out what is happening in local food networks. So I'm looking at different locations. I've been working in Kenilworth in Warwickshire and now I'm just starting to work in Ledbury and I'm trying to find out what people think about local food, if they buy it where they can buy it in that town and then I'm going to talking to farmers and producers and processors and finding out all about their businesses and the people that they work with and how many people they employ. So what? So what, Heather? (laughs) So what? I understand obviously the benefits of local food but what difference does it make if CPRE knows where the local food is? What is the object of your exercise? Why are we doing dear it? Heart? Why are we doing it, basically? Yeah. Well, there's two reasons why we're doing it. Firstly, we want to find out what's actually out there, what the value of it is to the local economy, to the environment, and to local people. So we're asking questions like, how many other local tradespeople does a business use? So if they use a local solicitor or a plumber or a printer, then that's all tied in. It means that there's active healthy relationships going on there in the local economy and we're finding that a lot of businesses actually bring people together you know the food that we're researching is kind of food with a face people know where it comes from you know they trust the people it's actually they appreciate buying their food from someone that they know rather than a faceless supermarket and we're also trying to find out if local food is better for the environment. And once we've captured all this information, which we're looking at at the moment, up to 
about 24 locations, 24 different towns and parts of cities across England and we're going to pull all of that information together so that we've got an overall picture of what's happening in England and then we can go to the government and say okay well this is what is happening with local food this is how you need to support it web address cpre.org.uk good lord and before you cut me off there Heather the other point of the project is that we're getting local people in these towns and villages who have local knowledge about what's out there to actually go out and do the research so by doing that they can find out more about where their food comes from they can talk to the farmers which normally any celebrity chefs do on the telly and they can find out what it's actually all about so they'll feel more connected and have more understanding about the food that they buy and what it means to where they live. Wow! So we're looking for people all across England who want to get involved in this work and go out there and meet their food producers. Well, I'll be. Could you blog it on the Wiggly blog? I will indeed. Thank you very much. Rich, get your hot pants on. I've seen Hannah coming through the gate. She's about to go and watch the bees swarming. See if she will pop this on and tell us what's going on. Shall I go and see? So yeah. and see what's, uh, what Hannah's verdict is on the, on the bees getting together. Okay, well, Hannah's just arrived, shot back from dispatch, <laughs> and she's going to lead me across the garden back to this hive to see where the bees have congregated. So, literally, there's a huge mass of honeybees swarming, you know, they've all got together. So, what's happening? Well, the Queen's in the air at the moment, they haven't actually all grouped together yet. Wow, so, um, so the Queen, so the old Queen has come out of the hive. That's right, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and half of the colony, what well, appears to be, well, I mean, it's, uh, that, when I look at that swarm, I, I, I can't believe there are that many insects in, in, a, in a space that size. Yeah, I would say there's probably about 20,000 out there at the really? moment. Really? Yeah, it's an amazing. awful lot of bees. So they're thick on the front of the hive at the moment. There's like a little mat of bees, you know, and they're all sort of clambering over one another here. What's the plan then? What's the old queen trying to do? She'll be um, sending out pheromones, so half of the hive will follow her wherever she lands, and then they will all group together around her. And once they've all congregated, they can stay there for an hour, they can stay there for ten minutes or a whole day. Really? And then they will all get up and go to their new home, which the scout bees would have found beforehand. Really? So this yeah. is all pre-planned? Oh, yeah, yeah, they know what they're doing. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they are definitely not humble creatures, are they? No. There's a lot going on in those little guys. I'm just waiting to see where they're all going to congregate. So have you any idea, I mean, if a scout would go out and presumably it would look for a, a, a nice, secure place to restart the colony, I suppose. Yeah, any, a hole in a tree, up in a, someone's chimney or under the roof somewhere. There. Really? Yeah. So how far away would the, would the scouts venture to find a new place I to live? I guess up to about two miles they'll go. So as a beekeeper, seeing something like this, is it a little bit exciting? It's very exciting, yeah, it really is exciting. And for me it's amazing, it's, it's, just, mm. it's a wonderful thing to see. And, yeah. And be part of you know it's incredible that we've picked today to sit outside in the wiggly garden and see all this going on and the nice thing about it is that they are at their most gentle now so you can stand in amongst it and you won't get stung because they're just so focused on what they're doing and they, they're not that's, bothered at stinging. I'm glad you said that's quite comforting. Yes. <laughs> I know, so, it's a bit overwhelming seeing them all out Rachel, like that. Rachel so. Harry's having heard you Yeah, she's going to risk it now. Edging, edging towards the hive a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, just to, to prove my point wrong, yeah. Feature on the Wiggly blog, yeah. no doubt. But they do seem to be quietening down, so I don't know whether they've gone the other side of the wall now. Right. 
We might have to go and check them over there. So what will you do now if half the colony does leave with the, uh, with the old queen? What will beekeeper, what will their next move be? Well, I do need to set up a, a nuke box to collect them in. Right. And then you shake the whole swarm into... Well, a trug's a, a perfect thing. Really? You shake the whole lot in. You want to get the queen in there. Right. And then you practically pour them onto a white sheet that leads up to the beehive and you'll see them all running up the sheet that's that's technically what they should be doing up into the entrance and they'll all follow the queen in there and hopefully stay put that's amazing so the so the nuke box then is that uh so presumably that's something purely to contain the queen in and and a few of her yeah there'll be sort of five frames in there and that will just keep them going um, until you want to transfer them then into a, a proper size hive and what's the significance of the white sheet for some reason, it, it attracts them. They, right. they want to stay on that and, and run up into the entrance. That's fabulous. And, I mean, the predisposing factors for a, you know, a day when they're swarming like this, what would, I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's obviously warmer it's today. It's perfect for it. It's just got that sort of so warm today. Yes. And it, it's after we've had a bit of rain yesterday. Right. And it's, it's a bit thundry. And they, right, they think, right. right, we're all going for it today. Right, right, right. So what's the next step then, Han? What do we what do we have to do? I've now? got to get my bee suit on a bit quick, I think. All right, well, let's go for it. Okay. Wow, buzzy bees, Rich. Fabulous thing. Oh, it's amazing to be part of that. That's one of the most exciting wiggly podcasts we've ever been part of, I reckon. I think it is. Yeah, yeah it's it taken is. four years to have a bit of excitement. <laughs> Does that mean that we're going to set up another hive, though? Uh, well, we have double well, honey. Well, it seems to be. It seems oh, Hannah's on a mission now. So there she she's, uh, she's going to try and find where they're yeah. gathering so she can catch them and yeah, set up another hive. Are you going to go bee hunting? I think Rich? I will. I think, yeah. I'm gonna, I think if, if Han finds where these guys are going to get together, I think I'm going to go on a mission. And yeah, well, buzz off bees. then. Bees. Uh, Very good. Very hey, good. now, come on. I want to know about these chickens. Chup, oh, chup, chup, chickens. Chup, chicken. Well, I think I, I think I mentioned it on my on my little introduction on the, on the little recording anyway. But uh, Richard Pike, contact uh, Richard spoken to us before, hasn't he? But he he emailed me about um, some swallows that he'd seen and wondered if they were particularly early, and um, mentioned that he would like a little piece about keeping chickens. So I thought what might be quite fun is to do because I've got a little bantam at home at the moment with chicks. It might be nice to do a, a little three piece a chicken trilogy and start off at the very beginnings really. So, what are your chickens a, called? I don't give them names. Henny Penny? No. <laughs> Leg, breast, yeah, thigh. Because, <laughs> you know, Sarah's, Sarah's got named one of the hens, but I, uh, I try to avoid it because ultimately they're going to die and, and you're going to get attached to them anyway, so it's best not to get even more attached to them by humanising them. A couple of weeks ago, a gentleman called Richard Pike, what a fantastic name, emailed me and mentioned that he'd seen a couple of swallows and wondered whether it was early in the year. Possibly slightly early, but uh, that's going back now to what about sort of the first couple of weeks in April. He also um, requested that we did a little piece on keeping chickens. So I thought, well, the ideal scenario would be just to do a kind of two or three piece chicken series. And uh, we can start from the very beginning. Well, approximately four weeks ago, 
I put a bunch of eggs in the incubator and I put half a dozen eggs underneath our beautiful little bantam affectionately known as a bantz nonetheless and this is uh, bantz number two because the first one we had which roosts in a tree and uh, got eaten by something probably a fox so this little girl went broody and we popped some eggs under her unfortunately the uh, eggs that I put under her, only one hatched and the chick died which is a real shame and uh, the eggs in the incubator, even though I had something like 20 odd eggs in the incubator, I think it's just too early, but only four of those hatched. So uh, cunningly, I thought, well, because the timing was such that I'd put the eggs under the hen and in the incubator at the same time, took the chicks and I tucked them under the wings of our little bantam. So she had a little family to look after. And it meant that I didn't have to worry about uh, keeping my BDI on the chicks because they'd have a proper mum to do so. So in here, I've got two little black chicks and two little yellow chicks. And the feathers on the wings are developing already. Uh, they're just over a week old now. And they're scampering around and fluttering about. When I open this door in the morning, this little chicken ark that I built last year, they run out and fly around and they think it's the most wonderful thing. The hen's very protective, obviously. You can hear her clucking away in the background. I suppose really, as regards to keeping chickens, this is perhaps something you do after you've after you've kept a few hens for, for a while. I mean, I, when I was a kid, we used to we used to have bantams and we used to hatch all sorts of things under bantams, turkeys and ducks. And, and that's a funny thing watching the the mother hen go bananas as a as a, a, a family start to leap into the pond and paddle around. <laughs> she can't follow. Well, we had some uh, amazing turkeys as well. We had this wonderful big stag turkey called Herbert that. Uh, Unfortunately, he died. He lost his head, and Mr. Foxy came along and uh, and killed him. Because in those days, we had the, the hens used to just run all across the fields, and uh, they were happy. But of course, they were open to all sorts of attacks from Mr. Foxy Loxy. So hen eggs, if you they tend to hatch if you get an incubator. I mean, the most important thing with it, with an incubator is just to make sure that uh, there's plenty of water in there and that the temperature stays fairly constant uh, most of the uh, the mechanisms on incubators to set the temperature relatively easy to do you turn the eggs i mean you can have you can have automatic devices that turn the eggs but uh, other than that you just have to turn the eggs with a, with a, with a sliding tray underneath the eggs once uh, once at the end of each day or rather once at the beginning once at the end of each day eggs usually hatch hen eggs you're, you're looking at between 19 and uh, and 22 days and it's usually around about 21 20 20 days that they uh, that they start to emerge and there is always that temptation to help them out of the egg but I, I never do now I mean it's just it just I think if they get out of the egg then they're strong enough to survive I mean you do occasionally of course get casualties even if they get out of the egg then there's something wrong with them they have a they have a leg that they can't stand up on or you know a kind of twisted neck or something you know but generally if, if they get out of the egg and you look after them they'll be absolutely fine so these little guys now will obviously be looked after the whole time. I'm just going to pop this little device inside the oh, the ark. Hello, guys. Just for a moment, because Mum's in slightly frantic now. What we thought we'd do with these chickens, I'll keep a couple of these because they're crosses between, uh, well, they're an Australorp 
Sussex cross. So our cockerels will eat, obviously, but uh, the um, the uh, hens, if we do get any hens, we'll keep because uh, you tend to find hybrids are usually quite good layers. And I know an Australorp is a Australorp hen is a brilliant layer, and of course the Sussex are, are relatively good layers. You know, you probably get sort of 200 eggs a year from a Sussex. Um, I mean, some people say 250, but that's probably slightly optimistic. But of course, the other thing, good thing with the light Sussex is that they're uh, an, an all-round bird. You know, they're a good meat bird as well. You can hear the cockerel in the background there. He's just clucking away, he clucks and pretends to find some tasty morsel of food. It's just a cunning ploy to get the eggs or get the chickens to come over to him, and then he can mate with them. So this is the beginning, really. The chicks. In this instance, you know, these guys are housed in a nice warm ark, which has um, plenty of straw on the, on the floor. And outside the ark, there's a, a little tray that uh, contains both crumb and uh, grain, grain for the hen, grain for the chicks. A drinker, which is not too deep for the chicks to get into, fall into, and they can't get out. You know, they can quite literally come to the edge of it and drink. If they do, if they do uh, manage to scramble in there, they can easily scramble back out again. That's very important because chicks do have a propensity to drown. And otherwise, all I do here is I simply drop the flap in the morning from the ark, make sure the food is clean and dry, and leave them to their own devices. So I'll leave this at that, and uh, on the next episode we'll talk a little bit about keeping hens, so a pretty casual insight into the simplicity, really, of, uh, of keeping chickens, because they are really quite easy to look after. Very robust birds. So, until then... If you want to contact us, you can get us on our emails, Heather at Wiggly Wigglers, Richard at Wiggly Wigglers, Rachel at Wiggly Wigglers, and if you're missing Farmer Phil, then Twitter him. He's Farmer Phil without an E. Bye from me. Bye from me. Bye from me. It's a big B. <laughs> we gotta say that. Rich, that is one big B. That's, that's, that's the biggest B I've ever clapped my eyes on. Wow. That B is a whopper. What is it? A Chinook. Is it? I think it probably is. I think that's it probably full is. Yeah. of SAS men going to do something dreadful. Heather, we're not supposed to tell anybody that the SAS are based in Herefordshire. It's a secret. Oops! <laughs> I was, uh, I've been working by uh, alongside the SAS camp all week at, uh, at Stretton Segus Primary School, you know? Yeah. And uh, all you can hear is helicopter noise and gunfire. <laughs> really? <laughs> I hope you ducked, Rich. <laughs> That's a big one, isn't it? It's not a chinook. It's a chinook. It's chop, 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 chop.